0: Hi everyone, Dan Cassidy here. Welcome to Top of the Morning on the UBS Market Moves podcast channel. Our conversation today will turn focus back to energy markets as we will examine the drivers behind recent price movement, expectations for the Q3 reporting season, notable sector themes, and how to think about positioning within the energy sector. Joining us for the conversation today, glad to welcome back to Top of the Morning, Jay Dobson, Energy Analyst Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office. So, Jay, always great to be on the line with you. Thank you for dropping by top of the morning and looking forward to our conversation today.
1: No, thanks for having me, Dan. It's always great to be back.
0: Absolutely. So, uh, Jay, maybe we can begin with your current thinking on the U.S. energy sector. I know you maintain a most preferred view on the group. So can you walk us through the factors, the considerations that support your current view?
1: Yeah, sure, Dan. H- happy to. I-, I think in summary, I'd say it's, you know, rising demand and-, and improving returns. But let me break it down a little bit to give you a little more detail. So I, I think when we think about, you know, sort of uh, global demand for crude oil, um, it's recovering. It's recovering from its, you know, sort of pandemic lows. I think the leg we're watching most closely now is jet fuel demand. But I'd say in aggregate, we see recovering global demand for crude oil. I think when you sort of go from the demand side to the supply side and incorporate the two, we see a a pretty balanced global supply and demand situation. Uh, Importantly, with, you know, let's call them low global inventories. Uh, This is important uh, as we're watching OPEC add supply gradually and demand continuing to recover with low inventories. We don't have a lot of margin of error, and that's part of the reason we're seeing some price movements uh, around the energy complex. And then, of course, we have you know winter weather, which is going to play into that. But I think recovering demand and balanced supply and demand are, are probably, you know, two pretty important global elements that support our our positive view. The next one is, you know, U.S. companies remain focused on capital discipline, and that really is sort of managing their capital spending to uh, reasonable levels and using free cash flow to increase returns to shareholders. Uh, We'll hopefully have an opportunity to also talk about third quarter earnings reporting season, but I would say in general that should support our most preferred view as well as we see upside surprises. And then lastly, on valuation, I think stocks are discounting energy prices sort of well below current uh, price levels in in valuation. So you sort of mix together the idea that demand continues to recover, supply and demand is back to a pretty balanced situation. And the U.S. companies are are very focused on returning capital to shareholders, all the while likely to to post. Pretty positive third quarter results. I think all of it, quite frankly, supports our, our most preferred view. You know, I'd say uh, we'll talk about risks, but just, you know, think about OPEC plus. Capital discipline and and this demand recovery.
0: Yeah, Jay, definitely want to follow up on some of those risk considerations, though that was a very helpful backdrop. So now that we have a better understanding as to the factors behind your most preferred view on the group, I want to run with oil markets for a few moments. And of course, there has been some notable movement in energy prices in recent time. I do understand, Jay, that CIO recently adjusted its oil price outlook. So can you speak to what the outlook is pointing to? Jay and are there any implications to this adjustment to US energy equities
1: Yeah you know it's it's obvious to to many of our listeners you know oil prices impact energy equities so To our forecast, we did increase our price forecast for crude by $5, so it's $80 Brent, $77 WTI uh, through year-end and and into 2022. These are dollar-per-barrel figures, um, but uh, I think it's important to recognize two things. Spot prices are modestly above these levels right now, and though it's not obvious to casual observers, the forward curve is, is pretty bad. And what I mean by that is forward prices going out into 2022, 2023, prices go uh, up quoted out to, you know, the end of the decade, they're materially lower than spot prices. Um So I think it's important to recognize that, uh, you know, the market says these prices are high, but they're going to go down over time. Um So I think that's really important. But the, the keys really are, as we stare at uh, a price forecast, you know, how fast is demand going to recover? And then how fast is supply going to be added, you know, in the near to intermediate term by OPEC plus. But in the very near term just what is winter weather going to do um, that's part of the reason we've seen some pretty big spikes in, in natural gas prices globally um, I, I'd say all of this hints in the near term to having a, a bias towards yet higher energy prices though um, you know the forward curve is rarely correct I, I do think it is right in suggesting that um, you know energy prices will moderate uh, over the next several months as we move by beyond winter and uh, and into a a more shoulder period for uh, for demand. So I I think all of this supports higher free cash flow and uh, and ultimately supports our most preferred view of, of energy equities. So in summary, a higher forecast for crude supporting our most preferred view, but definitely one that is going to moderate uh, from a price perspective over time.
0: Jay, it's interesting. I keep hearing winter weather coming up in the conversation. You mentioned OPEC a few moments ago. Maybe now's a good time to revisit some notable risks to the group that investors, participants should be mindful of. Are there any particular that come to mind that you can share with us today?
1: Yeah, you know, I'm really I'd, I'd say there's there's three of them. I mean, you know, first is supply and demand, as as we said. You know, demand is recovering, and it's it's a figure that we don't have a ton of real-time transparency on. We get lots of data globally on a fairly lagged basis, so, you know, the market on a day-to-day basis is always trying to guess exactly where demand is and how that marries up with, with supply. <clears throat> is meeting monthly now um, in order to uh, raise production, uh, as they said they were going to do back in July, by about 400,000 barrels a day per month. Uh, so I think you've got the supply side continuing to recover. That's likely to continue through the fourth quarter of 2022. Um, But, you know, clearly the supply demand risks are there, uh, both, quite frankly, to the upside and the downside. Um, And again, as I pointed out earlier, inventories are low. So, you know, certainly we will see uh, reactions in the price, you know, almost immediately if we see Significant and perhaps more importantly, unexpected changes in supply and demand. You know, to that end, as as you mentioned, winter weather has come up a lot, and I think the issue there, though it's um, it's not uh, transparent for a lot of folks. You know, as we look out towards you know winter weather in Europe, in Asia, and uh, yes, of course, here in the U.S., uh, you know, we generally look to where are you know natural gas inventories, coal inventories. A lot of that's for home heat. Heating and, and power production. And uh, quite frankly, these are at, you know, below average inventory levels. So um, we've seen a lot of, of demand as, as countries try and get ready for uh, that winter weather. Um, you know, if we end up having a very cold winter uh, sort of around the globe, um, we're probably gonna see materially higher prices. And again, those improving or re- declining as we look out to spring. But if we end up having a more mild winter, um, we could see some moderation in these prices as always. Hard to predict the weather, particularly on something as large a scale as a as a you know globe or a planet. But um, winter weather is clearly a risk that we're spending a lot of time on. We talked about capital discipline. I would argue that's really a capex risk, and probably more out into the twenty twenty two period for for U.S. producers specifically. But we'll want to make sure they maintain you know very tight control of their capital spending, particularly in the face of OPEC adding new supply. And then the one notable risk that I think, and we won't be able to spend as much time as we need on this today, but it's the government policy risks of what I'll call the energy evolution. People like to call it the energy transition. You know, evolution to me makes more sense because we're talking about something that will, in fact, evolve over time. It really has over just the last two or three years. But, um, you know, this is something high energy prices are causing a very, very focused, discussion uh, around uh, around the energy evolution what we should do how fast we should be moving to things like renewables how fast we have to transition to newer technologies like carbon capture and hydrogen amongst other biofuels um so you know i'd, I'd say government policy if anything in the long term it really really leaves me sort of awake at night worrying about risks the space but you know certainly near to intermediate term um, you know there's probably less risk uh, just given where we are from a pricing perspective and and a demand
0: recovery perspective clearly no shortage of risks and it sounds like each of the 3j that you pointed out for us worthy of its own conversation dedicated podcast though I know we have a few more topics we want to get through today speaking of which I know Jay we're making our way into the q3 reporting season it was interesting I did see recently that our colleagues on the the equity strategy team led by David Lefkowitz put out a note where they spoke about how the earnings backdrop has weakened a bit largely due to supply chain issues. So I'm curious, Jay, specific to U.S. energy, what are your expectations for the group for this upcoming reporting season?
1: Yeah, it's going to be an interesting earnings reporting season, mostly because I expect positive upside surprises in in energy for, for the third quarter. That reporting period will begin you know, really next week and low continue into the first uh, full week of of November. But, um, you know, earnings revisions, or EPS, uh, earnings per share, uh, forecasts have been trending upward. Um, But I'd say when we look at the numbers, and you know, for many of these companies, it's the realized price of of, uh, oil or gas that they sell, or NGLs, then you have, you know, refining margins, and then you have petrochemical margins, depending upon where each company is in the value chain. In the energy business, but I'd say on average, you know, we expect these companies to to beat expectations. Obviously, not every company will, but uh, I expect the majority of them will. Um, and you know, again, it's it's really higher margins and and higher prices. I think more important than that, quite frankly, and should be for shareholders, will be you know, what do those higher earnings and cash flow mean to me? And I do think you'll hear a few more companies adopting formulaic approaches to capital turn to shareholders. Some companies have been saying, I'll give you a back 50 or 75 percent of free cash flow on a go forward basis on obviously a slightly trailing basis. So you're not giving back more money than you actually have uh, since commodity prices can be volatile. But, um, you know, investors have really embraced that as a way to, you know, guardrail rail um, or control that capital discipline that I talked about. So I think overall, I think third quarter earnings for energy companies um, should be uh should be, uh, you know, pretty positive, uh, quite frankly. I guess to your comment on on David Lefkowitz's report, um, yeah, we do see a little bit of inflation, so we'll certainly be watching for that. Um, That'll be something that weighs slightly against some of the more positive elements I mentioned. But, um, you know, we really don't think uh, supply chain will impact much on the U.S. companies. We'll obviously have some Hurricane Ida influences on the refiners, but uh, I think by and large, um, this should be a bright spot among uh, earnings. Reports for uh, for the S uh, and P 500 and industry sectors.
0: Okay, well Jay, thank you for the clarity on earnings expectations for the group. I know we're in early days here, so it will be an interesting few weeks ahead for the group and looking forward to seeing the results. Maybe we can switch gears a bit, Jay, talk about some notable sector themes. I know in prior podcasts we've spent time on this, always interesting to hear about. What's top of mind for you in this respect? So, what are some key themes, Jay, that you're monitoring at the moment?
1: Yeah, I mean, Dan, at the risk of of being somewhat repetitive, you know, I think there's three of them you know energy evolution we sort of touched on briefly already as always, merger and acquisitions, we haven't hit on that yet, but that's always a theme, and then then capital discipline. Now, let me take each of these. You know, we've talked about energy evolution. I think from an investor perspective, what you have to focus on here is, you know, how is the energy evolution going to unfold? And it'll be unpredictable. You know, certainly there were people saying, you know, fossil fuels should be gone quickly. What well, we're clearly realizing now, uh, as we've been advocating, is fossil fuels are going to be around for a long time. What we need to do is find economic solutions that can reduce our demand for fossil fuels, wind, solar are probably the most talked about. But this energy evolution will be complex. And from an energy investor perspective, we need to focus on what can companies do to maximize the or take advantage of their competitive advantages. Um, I think energy companies, if there's a black swan here, are a way bigger part of of the energy evolution than many people suspect. You know, carbon capture, hydrogen, biofuels. I think there's a lot of opportunity for companies to look at their competitive advantages and and really be a big part of the evolution, not necessarily, you know, one that is so negatively impacted by the same. So I think energy evolution, you know, we obviously have our energy transition LTI, so that's definitely something to take a look at. We could spend the whole day talking about energy evolution but that is definitely a key sector theme that we're monitoring. And it has so many facets. It's really going to be interesting. But as you pointed out, has this, those opportunities and risk. MA, you know, look, consolidation is a factor that really makes some sense here. So slowly it's occurring. Uh, we've seen a little acceleration in it uh, through the pandemic and, and the economic downturn that resulted. Um, so you tend to see that occur. But we'd hope to see more consolidation slowly over time um, to bring more discipline, quite frankly, to um, capital spending and and sort of maintaining that capital discipline so we don't uh, overproduce and and we can maybe calm some of the commodity price volatility that we've seen historically. And then the last one, it's related to M&A, and it is that capital discipline. This is really unique to the U.S. producers, but when I say capital discipline for clarity, I'm talking about companies controlling their capital spending, spending what they need to to maintain production, maybe grow it a little bit. Let's call that low to mid-single-digit percentage production growth levels, but really then using the free cash flow that remains, and it's sizable, to increase dividends, pay variable dividends, buy back stock reduce debt, do all these things, quite frankly, that build equity value and, quite frankly, give us opportunities to survive through what inevitably will be, you know, the next downturn in in commodity prices. So I think maintaining that capital discipline is going to be really important for the U.S. producers, clearly in 2022, but I'd imagine to a certain degree even beyond that until the middle of the decade.
0: Jay, thank you for hitting on some of those key themes and the energy evolution, one in particular. I know yourself and our colleague, Michelle Liberty have done some great work on that, the LTI. So perhaps we can have a follow-up conversation down the pike, though. Before we wrap up today, Jay, I want to close out with positioning. What are your current subsector preferences within the broader group?
1: Yeah, it's a great point, Dan, because uh, it it is important uh, given the the industry is so varied. So we still prefer the exploration and production companies and uh, the integrated oil companies over the refiners and the oil oilfield service uh, sector, subsectors. I I think when you look at where margins are for refiners and for the oilfield services companies into 2022, you know, the the ranking may be quite frankly closer than it's been over the last four to six months. You know, if you recall, you know, we've been pretty favorable on the upstream EMP and integrated and really a lot more cautious on on refiners, you know, certainly before we got to the the summer driving season. But I think it's going to tighten up it'll probably be a better uh, uh, outlook for refiners and oil field services um, you know still probably going to continue to favor the exploration uh, companies and and the integrated oils but um, it, it'll be a lot closer quite frankly I think most importantly Importantly, and this really goes across all sectors, you know, we favor higher quality companies, you know, with you know very attractive assets, solid drilling inventories, balance sheet strength. You know, I think if we've learned anything, and you know, we haven't really covered it yet on this podcast, but you know, this has been a great year for energy equities. Um, but you know, the last six or eight have been abysmal Um, and so what we have to prove is we learned something from this that balance sheets are stronger, managements are stronger, that we're looking for ways that we can really live through the cycles that inevitably occur in the commodity business and all the while looking for opportunities to you know exploit competitive advantages and you know let's not say you know survive but in fact win in this energy evolution um, that drives you know lower greenhouse gases, you know, cleaner, more affordable and reliable power and and energy to to global citizens, you know, all the while um, looking at, uh, you know, attractive valuations for companies. So I I think it's uh, interesting to look at the subsectors. We'd still favor the EMPs and the integrateds over the refiners and and oil field services subsectors, but uh, clearly it's a lot closer than it's been right now.
0: Well, Jay, it's been a very productive, informative conversation, I will say, as someone who heats his home with oil it's helpful to have some clarity with respect to where prices might be headed but it was fascinating jay to hear about the current trends themes you're picking up on across the group expectations for the q3 reporting season and of course how to think about positioning plenty here that we can follow up on so jay we'll look forward to having you back on again with us soon though thank you again for your time and insights today appreciate it as always
1: thanks dan i appreciate the time
0: Thank you, Jay. And again, today we've been joined by Jay Dobson, Energy Analyst Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office. So before we close out, as a reminder to our clients and our listeners, the UBS Chief Investment Office does author a variety of publications and blogs that touch on timely market developments, asset classes, and portfolio allocation. These resources can all be located on UBS.com forward slash CIO, including a publication which Jay Thompson has been making reference to during our conversation today, a U.S. equities energy equity preferences, the update there. So for clients of UBS, be sure to contact your financial advisor if you have any questions about the topics we covered today or if you would like to receive a copy of Jay's latest research directly. Top of the Morning is part of the UBS Market Moves podcast channel, which is available where podcasts are found, including on Apple Podcasts,